If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Last year, I sort of started playing with the idea of taking one of my quilt patterns and I just kept looking at it and just really had this desire to see if I could translate what was a quilt pattern into an actual crochet design. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. And the life lessons today will be coming all the way from Australia with our guest, Jemima Flint, who will be joining us a little later in the show. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting, basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil. If you're a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, Stitched by Susan. These are streamed live, and so they're interactive, and you can ask questions and actually get answers about a project while I'm still working on it. Also, I have a brand new mini course that I've just released that's called All Over Feathers. So if you've always aspired to, you know, graceful and flowing feathers across an entire quilt top, this is the class for you. It's an all over meandering type of feather and I'll walk you right through it from the basic feather shape to even coverage of the whole quilt top, avoiding awkward corners, um, customizing the little details. It's all in that little class and I'll take you through it and demo it step by baby step. I'll put a link in the show notes to enroll for that course, or you can head to my website and a sign-up form will pop up. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Ever heard of a faux extension table? Yeah, I hadn't either. But this week I was sewing bindings onto a couple of quilts, and I realized this is a tip that I use all the time in my studio. Quilts, when you're binding them, are so bulky, and you're always turning them, and they're always kind of falling off the edge of your table and pulling against where you're sewing. So here's my quick solution. I sew at a desk that has drawers, so I pull out the drawer as far as it will extend on the left-hand side of my table, creating a faux extension. And that enables me to rest the weight of my quilt on that table so it's not pulling against me when I'm sewing. And if you're working at something that doesn't have a drawer, consider pulling up a little table. Even a chair would help, but something a little taller is better. Certainly your ironing board will work. Most ironing boards are adjustable, so you can just set that to the same or similar height as your sewing surface 
any of those things will work to just add that little bit of extra room onto your sewing surface to hold the weight of your quilt while you're attaching the binding. You know I love my coffee. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There, for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. I thank you so much for your support and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My guest today is Jemima, tuning in from her home in Australia. Jemima is a crafter from way back and is inspired by all things fabric, textiles, buttons, ribbons, and embellishments. She currently designs quilting and sewing patterns for her label, Tied with a Ribbon, specializing in modern fun designs that pack a punch and deliver helpful skills and tips so that even a beginner quilter or sewer can feel confident in making them. Thanks so much for joining me, Jemima. It's a real pleasure to chat with you from half a world away. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, It's very exciting to be able to, to chat to you. It absolutely is. So as so many times, I kind of got to uh, meet you via social media, and I just love what you do. I love your mix of fabrics and quilts and other patterns and yarn and so many crafty things. Mm So maybe let us know kind of where you got started. Who was influential in creating the crafty person you are today? Well, basically for me, I grew up like from the time I can sort of remember uh, around crafts and my Nana always used to sew and um, there were always things in her house where I could go and create things and make with her. And she was absolutely the person who put a hook in my hand and taught me how to crochet. And but also my mum has um, always sewn. She used to make our clothes when we were children and definitely um, with my younger siblings, she was involved um, in making up their um, items for their rooms, pillows and um, curtains and all of that. And that was really where I picked up the scraps from what she was making for items for their rooms and really basically made my first quilt from my, at the time, my baby sister's room. That's fascinating. So did you very much just start kind of self-taught? Did you just start piecing that together? Did you have a pattern to work with or did... I'm just all curious. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, mum had always had a sewing machine, so I was very familiar uh, with that and I had loved textiles at school. So basically after sort of gathering up all the scraps that uh, she had had from the leftover um, projects she was working on, I think I sort of flicked through um, a Better Homes and Gardens magazine and probably saw some quilts in the back and um, and that quilt sort of came together with all the pieces um from there, some are all sorts of different types of substrates of, of fabric. And I actually, I still have that quilt today. Um, my mum gave it back to me a little while ago and I really love to share the story of that for um, for when I'm teaching. So really it's just an example of, you know, we all start somewhere. It's by no means perfect. Uh, you know, it's cut by I you know rotary cutters I didn't know what they were so it was all cut by hand um, probably very badly pinned and um, pieced um, 
the uh, there's no such thing as binding on it i basically sewed it around and turned it inside out uh, probably with some polyester batting in it as well right, right. <laughs> um so <laughs> lots and lots of things that um now probably wouldn't um pass the test but um definitely um the story of where i got started and i think you're right that's just really encouraging to a beginner is that there aren't any there isn't a bar you have to achieve or reach, you know, to make the right quilt. Make it with what you've got. Make it with how you, you know, the amount of skill that you've got. Just go at it. I love that. That's right. Yeah. I love that. So you do, you mentioned that you crochet um, and you are now a pattern designer. So are you kind of equally in the world of fabric and, you know, yarn textiles or um, do you design for both? Well, I've always predominantly been a quilt um, and pattern designer and also having designed fabrics as well. But um, that's really sort of been my main um, focus for the last um, few years um, with my business. But recently I sort of began to evolve more with crochet being really probably what I used to sort of pick up more at night time um, after working at the sewing machine all day. It was definitely sort of my relaxing place to um, to go to. So I've, um, last year I sort of started playing with the idea of taking one of my quilt patterns, uh, which was the Aurora quilt. And I just kept looking at it and just sort of seeing other things, um, that I had seen as well, um, through social media and just really had this desire to see if I could translate what was a quilt pattern into an actual crochet design. And, kind of from there it just sort of um, was something that I was really interested in seeing whether or not I could create that. Um, it was a different genre of pattern than I had previously written so that was such a big new challenge um, which was really good. It was it was a, a push to to try something new and to see if I could, could make that work. I love your photos of the the yarn HSTs. You know, we quilters mm -hmm. talk about HSTs. Those are, are half square triangles. So it's a simple pieced block, but making them out of yarn and kind of granny square type is what I saw in the pictures. And that really caught my That's eye right. because as you say, that is an unusual approach. Mm -hmm. I definitely sort of, yeah, found that um, last year, you know, we've ha had several, you know, lockdowns here in Australia and throughout the world. I think our crafting and um, the way that we approach things has sort of really changed and many people have picked up new crafts or they've re refound crafts that um, they had previously maybe picked up um, earlier and would now just that opportunity to be able to um, have some time to, to get back into something or try something new. So it was really, um, yeah, really great time to sort of just venture outside and at the time not be too worried whether or not it would or wouldn't work. Um, but then see that um, it's really taken taken off and people have enjoyed seeing both those sides to, to what I love about um, quilting and crochet. So, How fun. You mentioned in your bio that you have a background teaching home ec. Is that something that is common in your schools in Australia? We have um, definitely in our high school systems, most uh, most students will do home ec of some form, uh, especially in the earlier grades as they progress through to the um, top end of high school. Um, some kids will choose to, to do it, whether it's textiles or whether it's um, food. Um, or even um, early childhood studies, that all sort of falls under that home ec umbrella. And um, it really has just been 
the the springboard for what I love most about quilting and teaching beginners and getting people inspired um, into um, all areas of not only just quilting but you know crafting and sewing and um, getting people started so I think that kind of has just really set the scene for what I love to write and what I love to design um, in trying to sort of get that audience um, excited and inspired to to want to learn how to quilt or to sew or to crochet. Right, because you would be reaching a different audience when you're when you're an adult teaching crafting classes. You've kind of got a warm and captive audience, right? They want to be there. They chose to be there. When it comes to high school students, you you know, lots of them may or may not be interested in what you're showing. But of course, that um, opportunity is always there that you mm-hmm. might be um, helping someone to dip their feet in the water of what will become a lifelong passion or joy for them. That's right. Yes. Um, one of my favorite classes to teach used to be my year nine uh, textiles class because um, at the time it was, you know, basically 50% boys, 50% um, girls, and they weren't necessarily there because they wanted to be there, but it was a subject that they had to take um, in the lower end of high school. So these kids, it was really a way to find projects that would inspire them. And um, a lot of the a lot of the boys sometimes just weren't interested. They had no background, obviously, um, you know, sometimes with the sewing machine because it wasn't something that they'd found cool or found interesting. But um, one of the projects that we loved to make uh, with them were frisbees. And these kids just absolutely enjoyed making, you know, these frisbees and we would um, spend the time in class making them and then we would go out and we would fly them and see whose could fly the furthest because some of them had changed the dimensions of the the actual fabric frisbee. And um, so that was really a good way to, to engage um, some of the kids who weren't necessarily into making, you know, some of our more traditional projects, but um, they enjoyed making um, items like that, that, you know, they didn't sort of see as so much as sewing, but um, as something fun to Exactly. You know, competitive out in the field with. (laughs) Exactly. I love that idea. And I confess I have Mm -hmm. never sewn a Frisbee. So, you know, maybe I better add that to my repertoire. Mm -hmm. All right. I was reading about your, because you are a pattern designer, right? And one of your statements is that you really build in um, learning different skills and tips into your patterns. Kind of how does that look in your patterns? And I'm curious because I know what you know, patterns in the U.S. are much the same when you purchase them. You know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Is that a little different in Australia? Um, how they're presented, what's included, and how do yours specifically be a teaching style pattern? Uh, well, with That's my a lot patterns, of questions, uh, I know. It's <laughs> all right. Um, my patterns are distributed throughout the world, and I um, okay. have a lot of U.S. friends, and um, I'm lucky enough to also have uh, distribution through the U.S. So. First of all, I guess things like um, my patterns are written um, in inches um, because even though we don't actually measure here in inches in Australia, that's generally the quilting um, community and how we sort of do patterns. So I definitely write them with that um, in mind. And I think uh, a lot of my designs are very much, they're all beginner friendly. Um, I really love the fact that anyone can pick up my pattern and no matter their experience level, give it a go and um, feel challenged, but not intimidated by actually picking up that pattern. I I would never want anyone to sort of pick up one of 
um, my designs and just feel that it was absolutely maybe beyond them or not want to actually get them involved or started in, in quilting. So I really sort of always in the back of my mind, it's um, writing patterns that um, get people excited to to want to quilt or want to want to learn. So that's definitely one aspect that I'm always thinking about um, when I'm writing my patterns. The other thing too is I love to include things that sometimes you don't, it's I guess assumed knowledge. So I'm very um, particular about adding in things like pressing tips. So which right. direction to actually press the seams of your fabric, which will help with the end result. And um, so those sort of little things sometimes that um, may not necessarily be um, always included in a pattern of those things that I do like to sort of add because they're very helpful when you're starting out. You don't, you know, necessarily know things like pressing or, um, you know, which way to um, help distribute all that bulk that you're sometimes working with. So Yes. Your phrase, I, your phrase assumed knowledge really captures it for me. I've been sewing and quilting for a long time too, and it's easy to forget how many of those mm-hmm. things, you know, one does not know automatically. You've learned them through experience, but how can you convey them to an, as a sewer who's earlier in their journey? That's right. Um, I love to have things, you know, written out very simply so that it's a case of um, not necessarily overly complicated fabric requirements lists either so that you can um, easily pick up a pattern and maybe use a fat quarter bundle because they're easily something that um, a beginner they can walk into a shop and they can pick up a bundle and not be overwhelmed by trying to put together um, 15 or 16 colors so those are the other things too that I like to think about how the customer is going to actually buy their fabric and work back from there as well so that things are very easy in terms of um, me being able to work out whether or not I should drop the number of um, pattern pieces to make it easier for the for the customer to to buy at the other end so that that um, element of actually buying fabric um, is is not only just fun but not necessarily overwhelming as well because it can be in the early stages putting colors and fabrics and patterns together. Exactly. And I think that that knowledge is what prompted, you know, quilting manufacturers of fabrics to start building these bundles because that is such an overwhelming thing. When you're early to quilting, there's just too many decisions, you know, to walk into a fabric store that has hundreds and try to pull together cohesive designs. So do you do you offer scrappy quilts in your patterns or do you more work with a kind of curated palette? Usually I work with more of a curated palette um, because sometimes the fabrics that I'm working with that I actually do a lot of my designs with aren't necessarily their pre-release fabrics. So sometimes I've only got a certain amount of fabric to work with with a actual fabric collection. So I do sort of tend to work in more curated lines. Generally, once I've made a pattern, so for example, like my Aurora quilt, um, which I mentioned earlier, um, that one actually, I then love to then make other versions. So as I've um, presented one version that is the pattern that you'll buy, I then love to have other versions that I'll make. And uh, sometimes in that example of that quilt, that's one that I've made um, beautifully out of um, Anna Maria Horner uh, fabrics. And it's all scrappy um, with all those beautiful colours and, and fabrics. So generally, I'm more of a curated palette. Um, maker, I guess, than um, 
than pulling sort of scraps. But um, I think sometimes I like to pull colour bundles, I guess, more than actual. I'm not really one for diving into my scrap bucket and um, and doing that sort of thing. Yes, that, it is a whole nother skill, a whole nother love maybe. Um, how do you, do you find it fascinating, I guess, is the question, to see what pattern testers or people who are uh, maybe the first rush of buyers of a pattern to see how differently they view it than you do. That's always fascinating to me to see, you know, one design on a pattern and then see someone make it with totally different colors and fabrics and a completely mm-hmm. different look. Is that fun to watch evolve? I think that's almost one of the best things once you've actually released a, a pattern out into the world and then people taking it, making it their own through their their choice of colours, their choice of fabrics, um, prints or solids. And mostly I really love seeing the versions that I can't actually conceptualise because I am very much, I guess, when I'm designing, I'm writing for um, that beginner in mind. Um, But I absolutely love it when someone takes um, one of my patterns and creates something that even though it's the exact same design, is just something that I in my I just couldn't have created um, in my own mind so that just absolutely it just blows me away to see some of the versions and um, what people do and create with the exact same pattern and the exact same instructions and how they take that and make it their own that's really fun and what what about social media isn't that just the most fun ever to be able to swap stories and pictures and share with ease it's just been such a um, whirlwind being able to sort of see um, my social media grow and mainly just being able to connect with um, people from the other side of the world. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm here in Australia. And whilst when I used to be able to travel over to the US for, for quilt markets and that sort of thing and be able to sort of meet people um, and catch up with people um, over at those events, without that ability now, it's amazing how just... Um, from the other end of the phone, how I can I can chat to to my, you know to my friends and I can chat to all those people who might have questions or sometimes just want to know um, you know what I'm using the fabric for and um, it's just amazing to be able to connect with people um, on that level and uh, yeah it's a real real buzz to be able to sort of help someone out you know if they've got a question or they're not sure um, if they're having you know trouble with something and not necessarily my pattern sometimes um, in particular but you know generally sometimes I'll get all sorts of um, questions about you know this or that and um, it's nice if I can to to be able to help someone. I agree the crafting community is always so encouraging and, and so uplifting. Okay I have another question totally changing direction. I was mm-hmm. reading in one of your posts you were talking about quilting tram lines so that got me thinking are there because obviously you've traveled back and forth in the U.S. and you write patterns for the American market too are there other phrases or words you know of that are different in Australia to what we use in the U.S. and maybe define tram lines for me too to be sure that I know (laughs) what I'm talking about (laughs) Uh, well when we use the term tram lines here in Australia basically that means quilting um, at a quarter inch either side of the seam so basically you're going to be running um, two straight lines of quilting and they're both um, at running down the same seam Makes and they're a sense. quarter inch. 
Yeah, so um, we call that tram lines. Um, it's interesting because um, a lot of my patterns obviously are written uh, for the US market. And when, I'm, um, when I've been writing my books, obviously the spellings of several things are really different. So for example, I use the word color all the time. And in my own patterns, I write that in um, you know English, Australian English. Uh, but when I'm writing my books, that has to be written um, in the American um, English from the get go. So I sort of have to work across both. And um, yeah, quite often um, some of the things with my last book, there are a couple of things that I had put in and um, I got questions back from my editor sort of asking me, what did that mean? Or just, and it's just different words that we use for, for things and um, it's more just, it's little things. Little that, things. Than, well, yeah. I'm, I'm Canadian, so I identify a little bit. And I think probably our spellings and even the metric system of measurement is more similar <laughs> to Australia and to Europe than it is to the U.S. So I'm totally familiar with color. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I catch myself misspelling that a lot too. So <laughs> I just thought that was Always interesting. Always comes up but, in my spell check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I now have uh, a picture of tram lines, and I will, mm -hmm. I'm going to adopt that term because I like it. That's so descriptive. It's perfect. So obviously, teaching is something that you love to do, and you now have an online course available. So what kind of topics are covered in that, and how is that kind of presented to students? Yes, that was such fun um, to go over. I got to um, film that when I was in Denver, uh, in Colorado, in the US a couple of years ago. And uh, that was my first time uh, filming. It was very nerve wracking, but um, it was a course on foundation paper piecing for beginners. Okay. So that um, basically just getting people started on the technique and how to do it with some uh, simple projects and um, showing them how they can make things um, like simple blocks and then turning them um, into quilt patterns. So that was, yeah, very sort of um, an interesting and, yeah, just amazing experience to be able to be on set for, I think it was four days in total and getting hair and makeup done and uh, film crew and, yeah. So, but, um, yeah, it was a um, basically a, a beginner's foundation um, paper piecing course. So were you perhaps not producing that independently? You were doing it under under a company. Am I reading that right? That's okay. right. So I had done that through my book publishers. Oh, I understand. Okay. And mm -hmm. for our listeners, in case some of you don't know what foundation paper piecing is, it's it's ultra simply. It's when the pattern is printed on a piece of paper and you use those guidelines to dictate where you lay your fabric and where you sew your seams. And the result is a super precise um, piece of work that's maybe more complex than you could do if you were working with fabric only. But it is something that I can see would really benefit from being shown, not just told, because it is so tactile and it is so, it's a bit difficult to explain. So that's cool. Okay, let's see. Uh, anything else you want to tell us about upcoming, um, you know, things you've got in the works over the next couple of months that listeners could be looking for? Well, I'm very busy in the studio at the moment. I am working on my next uh, pattern release, which will be out in mid-December, and it's going to be called um, the Two Hearts Quilt. And it's a quilt designed based on hearts, and um, it's really sort of one of those quilts that's sort of been um, in my mind to design for a little while. But um, I loved the idea that uh, with Valentine's Day, obviously still next year uh, um, coming up, that people could create it 
um, not just for Valentine's Day, but um, for people who love to make quilts for for anyone that they they love, or you know, if they've got an occasion coming up, you know, um, weddings or engagements or those types of um, special occasions, or really any time when you're wanting to wrap someone up um, in that beautiful handmade um, quilt um, made with love. Um, so that's that's coming up. And then I'm also uh, busy now working in the studio on what will be my next book. So that's, that's yes, yeah, super exciting. Are Big you able challenge to spill the up. topic on that? Wet our appetite uh, a little? Yes, <laughs> yet. Um, still um, under wraps at this stage. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, it's definitely um, – I sort of – I didn't sort of see that um, it would all come together um, as quickly as this one has. But um, all the designs are now done. All the, the fabrics are chosen. Uh, there is some yarn in there as well. Oh, so um, very excited to be able to sort of um, offer some, some exciting new um, patterns and projects uh, in that, uh, which will be out for 2022. Great. Well, we look forward to that. So in closing, I always ask my guests, do you have any nugget that you would like to share with our listeners? So it can be a piece of wisdom about quilting, about life, about creating, whatever you like, little nugget. Oh, well, I think definitely sort of in going maybe back into my teaching background and um, that comes, never judge your, your beginning by someone else's middle. Oh, that's solid advice right there. Love that. It's something that I, you know, talk to my quilting students all the time about um, in just when they're getting started out in quilting, just that sometimes that overwhelming feeling that they have that maybe they're not producing or making something um, just quite where they want it to be at you know, as of yet, um, that, you know, that comes, it comes with practice. It comes with, you know, enjoying the process and, um, and, and you do get there, but we all start somewhere. And that is just plain good advice to take out into your life in every way. Where can we find you online? Where can we find your blog, your website, all those things? Okay. Well, Susan, most of the time and most days you'll find me over on my um, Instagram, which is at tied with a ribbon. And I also have my website, which is www.tiedwitharibbon.com. And your listeners can certainly jump on there. Um, they can sign up for my newsletter. And um, you also, um, when you subscribe, you get the free um, pattern, which is uh, my Cosmic Diva quilt. And um, I'm also on Facebook and um, have a blog. And all those links are on both of those, uh, my website and my Instagram. Well, thank you so very much for joining me. This has been a great pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, Susan, for having me. It's been great fun to be able to chat to you. And thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can hear these stories too. I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. Email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. And don't forget to CC the nominee as well. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>